Welcome to Episode 4, Part 4 of a new version of Ask a Dude, where our panel consists of myself and Ken. Ask a Dude with Ken. Questions from a gay man. This is Sacred Truths with Emmy Graham. like to talk a little bit about fear. I think I've been delving into this theme of misogyny for the past few years. Like I've been aware of misogyny my whole life, but I've been really delving into it. And I think one of the things that really struck me was how much fear I have carried around my whole life and never really knew it. It was just sort of an adaptation to the world And when I think about the fact that everywhere I went in every situation I went into, whether it be a classroom, a work situation, walking down the street, going into my bank, there was always fear, fear of the male and what he might say and what he might do. And of course, fear of like walking alone at night and things like that, fear of being a single woman living in my apartment in the city. Those are real fears, fear of what happens on a date, fear of rejecting a guy who asks me out, but also just fear. What's the guy at the bakery going to do and say? Who's going to stalk me? Who's going to get mad at me for asserting myself or just breaking the rules somehow. So I'm curious, Ken, what you might have to say about your life and how you've experienced fear, if you have. Well, I think it's different because I could always pass if I wanted to, chose to. You know, um, I'm still a guy. I'm still a man still the potentially the the power, you know, top of the heat or whatever. I can still pretend and hate myself for it or whatever, or be afraid that to be, you know, it's a different fear. It's different fear. If I'm, if I'm walking along the street at night and I'm afraid, I'm probably afraid of a gang of people that might jump out with baseball bats and beat me up. Um, I'm not afraid of getting raped. I'm not afraid of, I'm not afraid of the same things that you would be afraid of. Different fears. Yeah, of course you fear, you know, you fear when you're walking with your husband, you fear like what would happen if we held hands, you know, um, or kissed each other or did, did what every other straight person can do any minute of the day and nobody blinks twice. You know, there's that fear. But that's all, that's all going to be based on the choices that I make in terms of my behavior. That's not just because of who I am, because, again, I can always act like everybody else if I choose to. And there are going to be some people who wink and go, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. You're straight. (laughs) But it's still dramatically different from the fear that you as a woman would experience every day. And I would never pretend to imagine the fear to be the same. I think that would be really diminishing what you go through. Yeah, it's just a whole set of different fears. It's a fear. The fear definitely would run through my mind constantly of 
what would happen if this person, whether they be parent, grandparent, sibling, best friend, whatever, whoever they are, fill in the blank, what would happen, what would change if, if I utter these three words, I am gay? So there's that fear. You know, we, you come out every day. We, it's, it's a constant. It's a constant to live, you know, to normalize your identity. You know, I, when I say my husband, to, you know, we're looking for a place to live right now. And when I call up so-and-so and such-and-such and I say, looking for a place, yes, my husband and I, there's that, my gut goes, what are they going to say? How are they going to react? Are they going to hang up the phone? Are they going to go, oh, 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 you know, what, what's that going to be for them? It's very, very interesting, <laughs> especially once we got married. You even using the term husband took a while to get used to. So now I try, I'm try, I work on it every day, work on normalizing our relationship at whatever cost. You know, there's going to be potentially a cost. Part of me doesn't want to invest too much because I don't know how that person's going to respond. And that just has to be okay. It has to be okay. Because I'm not going to get a divorce because that person doesn't like me. <laughs> I'm not going to change into a straight person. <laughs> so ultimately, I have to like, it's your problem. If you, It's your problem if you can't deal with it. But it's a con- it is a constant. It's like life never just becomes easy in that sense. I don't think life's easy for anybody. But I'm just saying that part of my identity is is never easy to just kind of float through. It's always like, well, I don't know whether they're going to stop engaging with me on whatever level or not. And that's an interesting kind of navigation. I hope that answered your question. I'm not really sure. It did. Thank you. Yeah, those are all great points. And it it gets me thinking about, I mean, one of the conversations I'm trying to have around this masculine paradigm that is so harmful to everybody involved is to start thinking about what the divine masculine or try to talk and think about what masculinity actually means if we're stepping out of stepping out of this really harmful, terrible, destructive structure, well, what are we stepping into? What what are we going to be as men? We're not going to sit around and just not do harm. Like, like our definition is, is going to be to just like, Hey, just shut it down. <laughs> just go and don't isolate and just don't do anything. Cause you're just, you're bad. Say, like, okay, well we'll have to be living and taking action. And one of the top things that comes up when in that conversation about what is it that we are inherently as men, or what is the masculine, one of the top things is protectiveness, is this warrior energy of being protective of whoever, the vulnerable, your close family, your your tribe, your village, whatever it is. That's, that's something that really touches a lot of men when they start thinking about what they really are. And it it just amazes me that the current manifestation of masculinity is an exact inversion of that. Mm. The number one threat to human beings on this planet is men, is male humans. That's the 
absolute number one threat that we all face all the time, by far, by far. And that just, wow. <laughs> it's, it's like an inversion of what I feel. And you know, a lot of men, when they talk about their essence as men, that's what comes up, being protective. If there's a leopard in the village, somebody's got to get up and get a spear and get down there and deal with it because it's a threat to everybody. And the idea that, that men are primarily acting as threats and creating fear in, in just widespread parts of the population, wow, we, we're really far away from our essence, I believe, as men. If, if that's what's happening, wow, we have a really serious problem. Yeah, I think of protectiveness and leadership. and. One of the things, as I'm older, now I'm almost 60, I feel less fearful in the world. It's a great relief not to be as sexually attractive as I used to be. It's a great relief. I highly recommend it. <laughs> but, but one way that it still happens, for example, I live in Oregon, and I've noticed, at least here, there tends to be male drivers, young men, I think mostly, in big trucks who love to tailgate. And so it's very intimidating to have this big truck right on my back fender when I'm going the speed limit or slightly over the speed limit. And it's generally this demographic of young male. And I want to just get out of my car and say, why are you making me feel so vulnerable? You're supposed to be my protector. You're the young men here in our community. What are you doing? How is this rewarding to you to intimidate an old woman? <laughs> How is this rewarding? You should be honoring me and helping me. Don't look at me. <laughs> I feel the same way when they bear down on my cars. <laughs> I'm constantly being told by my husband, ignore them, ignore them, ignore them. I can say, I can't, I can't. So I understand. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a lived example of a system that has wandered far, far afield from its essence. Once again, it, it, it's kind of breathtaking in a really awful way how something that feels so essential, providing safety, feels as core to my awareness or my experience of masculinity. That's as core as it could get or as close to the core as you could be, that that would be manifesting in a way that's creating just widespread unsafety. And in that example, like being aggressively intimidating, not something at night or, but just like, like, oh, I'm going to just put my truck like on top of you. Yeah. Yep. It's far away, far, far away from its, its essence. Ken, as I recall, you have done some work with the Mankind Project or you had an experience with them and it seems to me it was not 
uh, a situation that you felt comfortable with. And I wondered if you just wanted to talk to Nick about that. Sure. Well, I, with a disclaimer at the front, because um, my friend who lives still in Atlanta is one of the, he's, he's very involved with the Mankind Project. And he, um, I believe, was the one who invited me to this um, newcomer's retreat or whatever it was. This was years and years ago. And it was this three-day retreat. And you showed up on Friday night, early Friday night. And they, they apparently don't do it this way anymore. But I showed up and it was very military. It was, um, I think, in fact, the greeter guy was wearing like camis. And it was like this assaultive kind of like, state your name, you know, kind of deal. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and I had to put my stuff in this bunker or whatever, my, my clothes and my whatever. And um, I was supposed to go into this room and, I guess in those days, the whole idea was that you, they wanted to break you down, like break out all of those, break your defenses down and all that. And I, I lasted, I think, 30 minutes. Oh. And then I said, I am, I'm getting the hell out of here. And I, <laughs> I didn't tell anybody. I just, or maybe I told one person, I said, nope, I'm going, I'm going. I started to cry and I, I, uh, I had a very emotional reaction to the whole thing. Ooh, it's coming back up. Uh, and I just, I, I wept on my way to my car and I got in my car and I just tore out of there and, um, later told him, I just said, I do not need to be broken down. I'm already broken. down. <laughs> I'm in touch with my, my feelings of worthlessness <laughs> or whatever, you know, I've done this, I've been there, done this. And I'd also done like, I'd done the erotic massage weekends many times where, where you have a lot of intense connection with other men. So I didn't feel like, you know, I'm too good for this at all. It was just, I did not need to go there to the part of like breaking down my stuff. Maybe it was just who I was, you know, that moment in time, that part of me in time. I don't know. So I had a bad taste in my mouth about it. He said, we don't do that anymore. That's not the way we operate. That was pulled out of the processing. I don't know. That, that's been my only real, real experience, except through him about a lot of the work he's trying to do has been trying to do to include more, actually include more gay and bisexual men in uh, Mankind Project, at least in the Atlanta area. So, but I think nationally, trying to outreach and be more inclusive. So um, he's got lots of great things to say about it. And I'm actually very proud of the work that they do do through that network. But anyway, that was my experience. Is your friend straight or gay, can I ask? He's gay. He's gay. Get a little emotional there hearing that story. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's not. We don't want to be doing anything like that in the Mankind Project. I went, did my weekend in uh, 2016. That was boot camp era. It was okay for me, for whatever, how I'm wired, how vulnerable I was at that time, whatever the the whole set of circumstances there. It wasn't a powerful or important part of that for me. There were other parts of it that, that really helped me. It didn't hit me wrong, but the idea that, yeah, just the idea that anyone would have the experience you did is just bad. <sighs> Sorry that happened. So I hope that, Mankind Project or, or any other, any anything else like that, I, I feel like the work 
There's lots of ways to do that work. Mankind Project has one angle on it. There's many other ways to approach that work that are related, similar. And uh, it just feels like that work is so important. There are so many men that are so damaged and isolated and suffering that it's really important to me that everybody would have access to that work. And then it would be structured in a way where, sure, it's okay to be challenging. The work is hard. And it, it isn't for everybody at every point in their life. And sometimes it's just the time is not right for that work for somebody. But to have it structured in a way that was welcoming and didn't just send people off after the first 30 minutes in a crisis. That is not what that should be at all. Well, I was glad, you know, I was glad to, um, to find out that that is not the way that they do their retreats anymore. Because as I, I've told him many times, I support, I so support the work and I think it, it need, there needs to be more of it. God knows places where men can go and, you know, feel safe with each other and not just talk about sports. And that's the end of it. And, you know, and if you don't know sports, then you're kind of out of the loop and, oh, well, it's too bad for you. You know, all those kind of scenarios and um, where everybody feels welcome. Every single person feels welcome and safe to peel back the layers little by little. And, you know, I think I was wanting to do that. And it was just a safety factor for me. and the. Um, just like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Again, I'm relieved to know that that's, that's not the, the thing, the reality now. And I, at the same time, I get it. I get why that would have been an idea somebody had to get at that stuff right off and, you know, let it peel back that hard shell. It's like, mm, yeah, I, I know it, it does work for a lot of people. It just didn't for me. And that's, that was my experience. So I'm glad that that's not part of it anymore. I know a little bit about the the origin story of it because I, I was quite involved for a while. That was part of the origin story was, was that idea of stripping away or whatever. But that wasn't necessary for me to, to do the work. And there's certainly hard parts to the work. There's parts that are scary and difficult to get through and challenging like parts of it are really challenging but i think it's always important for people to feel supported in facing those challenges from the facilitators this is challenging just by itself <laughs> you don't have to make it harder <laughs> you don't have to yell at somebody <laughs> you know that's that's just re-traumatizing people exactly you know easily could reference their their trauma so that isn't at all what is needed in that situation. It's challenging enough just by itself. Anyway, I'm glad it's happening in a different way now. Me too. I'd like to thank both of you for joining me today. Thank you to our dude, Nick. Thank you. Thanks, Abby. Great to be here. And thanks for joining us, Ken. Thank you. Thanks, Emmy, and good to, good to talk to you, Nick, today. Thanks, everyone. This is Sacred Truths with Emmy Graham, with music by Lemon Music Studio 
from Pixabay. And with special thanks to our dude, Nick Ordson. This concludes Episode 4, Part 4 of Ask a Dude with Ken, Questions from a Gay Man. Please visit our website at sacred-truths.com. Thank you for listening.